You're listening to UX Podcast, a monthly podcast from Stockholm, Sweden, with James Rora Lawson and Per Axel, moving the conversation beyond UX. Hi, hello, and welcome to um, the pilot episode of UX Podcast with me, James Rora Lawson, and me, Per Axel. So this is the week after the week before. Um, last week, um, we were at um, User Experience Lisbon 2011 in Portugal. The topic of this first part of the podcast is, what was good with it? Well, actually, I think we've been looking forward to this for like a couple of months now. We booked the tickets in January, and I think I decided, just based upon the front page of the website, it's a great lineup of speakers. You had Don Norman, you had Lou Rosenfeld, you had Christina Halverson, you had Kevin Chang, uh, Josh Clark, and uh, all those not mentioned, but just ha- having all those people there sort of was the... Ticket for, made it the ticket for me just seemed like a good choice between all the conferences that are taking place in Europe and, and in the States as well. You had all the speakers coming over here and it just seemed like a good thing. For me, for me, it was the fact that it's a UX conference and I've never been to a UX conference before because I don't label myself as a UX guy. So this, this felt like an opportunity to, to, to dive into that world more deeply. Mm. So part of my experience was actually watching you. <laughs> <laughs> Drown. <laughs> Watching you see what UX was all about and see what you, how you would react to all that. But one thing that we both were in agreement about that it's um, it was a very intensive week. Mm. Very intensive. Um, well, actually for us it was five days. We went down there on the Tuesday. The conference had two workshop days um, on the Wednesday, Thursday, and then the main conference day on the Friday. Mm. Plus a party, which we stayed for, and then flew back on the Saturday. Mm. And we didn't stop. We were... <laughs> We were, we were thinking, talking, listening, networking from the moment we were at the Stockholm uh, Orlando airport to the, well, to now almost. It yeah, like. we started on the plane actually doing mind maps all over the plane. And then we met some people even at the airport. We started talking there. And then we, we had signed up for all the evening events as well. So the days were just... All the three meals. Yeah, yeah three meals, three dinners. The days were just full of... Uh, workshops uh, and those usually uh, went over the time and then your lightning talks went over the time so all the actually the breaks were a bit shorter than we thought uh, they would be <laughs> uh, and then you had to network and you had to watch the displays and you had to run home change t-shirt and go out to the meal again that's right so what what um, well, it was so intense mm-hmm. that we missed out on a, that reflection time mm-hmm. there wasn't um it wasn't that hour you could lay down in your hotel room and just kind of think, oh, God, yeah, that's what it was all about. You just bang straight into the next thing. Yeah. Excellent fun, but now we're back into work. Mm. And we're back into the run of the run of the, the, mm. the daily grind, all the rest of it, and where's our reflection time? We right. need to find it. But there was, there were some awesome workshops, and everybody kept saying that awesome was the most used word on Twitter about the conferences. But I think that's because of the lack of vocabulary of the participants. <laughs> But uh, basically, I, I mean, I went to uh, Stephen Anderson, I went to Russ Unger, I went to Kevin Chang's workshop, but they were all beautiful workshops, and my thinking is that they should have been longer, and actually, some of the speakers actually said that they're usually longer, these workshops. They're full-day workshops. They're usually full-day workshops, <coughs> right? But uh, they went down. How much were they, actually? Three well, hours no, for the break? No, it was two and a half, wasn't it? Two and a half, yeah. I think it was three. Oh, no, you're right. It was uh, nine o'clock to... Yeah. Um, 12, 12 30, yeah. so it was three hours and then yeah. with, and there's a break in there as well the morning ones anyway yeah 
So uh, you you just left the workshop actually wanting more. So it was sort of a teaser almost for the for the main workshop that uh, that they of course offer as well. And some of them some of them suffered a bit from being condensed down to um, to, to such short workshops and end up missing out the workshop part. Mm. Um, the example there would be Leah's um, strategic UX one, which was I thought it was an excellent. Um, well, excellent three hours. I really enjoyed it because it, right. it pressed a lot of my buttons from outside mm-hmm. the UX world about you know, strategy, connecting to business goals, and all the rest of it. Exactly. But we had one exercise at the very beginning where we had to do um, sketches of um, um, a grocery store um, product page. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the second activity, um, she skipped because she felt like she didn't have time and wanted to get on. So she mm-hmm. talked us through the example. And then the third example, um, she's just thought about really long, you know, really hard for a few seconds. Oh, should I do this or not? And then she decided she was going to skip it, so that she had room for questions at the end. Mm. But then overran again and didn't have room for the questions <laughs> at the end. So we had a three-hour lecture. Well, I actually didn't go to that one, but that really tells you that the, ex- the expectations and the framework are a really big part of this. Because I had people coming out saying that that was not a workshop, but the content was really, really interesting. So basically, it was a good, good, good lecture, a good seminar. This, um, the, in fact, the, the only workshop that me and you went to together mm. um, was Russ's workshop. Oh yeah, I love that one. Yeah, which um, what, was the, what was the title of it? Um, Guerrilla Research Methods, of yeah. course. I, I, I really want to go to the full day of that one. Uh, and we actually didn't finish the, the, the work that we were actually supposed to do. Oh, I need to upload the yeah. videos. Oh yeah, we have videos from that. We're going to provide the links, of course. Uh, we actually did a... Uh, a, a, a workshop, workshop activity where we had an, a task that we did a design for, an interaction design for, and then we actually went out into Lisbon, or or the, at least not Lisbon, this Expert was outside area. Lisbon Expert area, and we went out and interviewed people and had them look at the prototype. We made a prototype that we actually had on an iPad for our group, and uh, got some really, really interesting feedback from those uh, interviews just with random people on, on, on the town. Which was really cool. So yeah, so he was one of the few workshops where it was actually a workshop. We mm. we took we designed we sketched a um, well um, an idea for product concept I suppose or service concept for um, um, checking in checking in a hotel. Yeah. Um, and then we knocked up as per se, um, well a testable dummy on prototype on the iPad and then went out and interviewed three people. Mm. So we did the whole we did the whole thing in three hours. Yeah. Including being taught how to do it. Exactly. So I think we actually did that part in just one hour. Yeah. Which was awesome just to... Awesome. Awesome again. Drink. <laughs> New XLX drinking game. <laughs> uh, yeah, and we met some... Of course, we met some really cool people there as well uh, among the participants. And we were networking and we were finding it real fun. And, but in, in summary, real, real intense. So the reflection part, I think, uh, is not finished. It's coming over the next couple of weeks and we'll be that will be our summary probably coming back to this and talking about this uh, later on as well we want to talk a little bit about just day three in isolation mm-hmm. briefly that um we were there for full three days some people were there i think it was, it was what 470 people were at the mm-hmm. the third day so it was uh, 250 more people were at the the last full day of the conference yeah. and i think that i would have been disappointed if i'd just gone to that one day yeah I totally agree, because the, the one day you had, we had in this morning uh, three speakers in a row that were awesome, again, and we... Uh, well, we started with two that were okay, and so we, 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 we got a lot of energy, oh, 
Yeah, James mm-hmm. said he was a little bit hungover. Right. <laughs> and that passed, and then we had the three passed, and then we were really tired after lunch. But uh, the main point being that if you're going to go to an event like this, go for the, all, all the days because you never yeah. know what you're going to miss. Exactly. And well done. So you built up the relationship. But yeah. we, we were staying at the, the official partner hotel, um, and so were hundreds of other people. And that meant when you came down to the lobby area, it was a spontaneous networking event every single time you went in yeah. out of the hotel. There were yeah. speakers there, there were delegates there, and just that interaction with the entire conference, and then combining mm. it with Twitter and everything else mm. was, was a fantastic experience. Mm. I think that's going to be it then for part that's, one of that's this yeah. three-part podcast. And coming up in part two is what was missing from UXLX? You've been listening to part one of this UX podcast episode with freelance consultants James R. Lawson and Per Axel. For more information or to subscribe to this podcast, visit uxpodcast.com. You're listening to UX Podcast, a monthly podcast from Stockholm, Sweden, with James Rowe Lawson and Perak School, moving the conversation beyond UX. So, welcome to part two of UX Podcast, the pilot episode, um, focusing on UX LX 2011 in Lisbon, Portugal. Um, in this part, we're going to be talking about what was what we felt was missing from the conference. So, what was missing there? Mm. Well, missing from the conference, I think there were, there were a lot of areas, uh, and specifically, you actually listed them while we were sitting on the plane back, I think. Uh, there was the intranet uh, track, was, and, which I think is missing from a lot of these types of conferences. People don't generally talk about intranets, so that's usually their, their own conference. Exactly, intranet yeah. conferences, and there's not enough intranet conferences, but, but yeah, intranet gets missed off um, an awful lot. And, a lot of times, the, the same concepts are relevant for, for intranet, so nearly the same concepts. But I, I, I didn't hear intranet be mentioned once during all of this, and, and that's, that's sad because in the, in, in the work I've been doing with uh, collaboration platforms, I mean, we've got, we've got two main players, and that's, that's Microsoft and IBM with SharePoint and Connections, right. and they're both absolutely horrific user experiences. Mm. I mean, they're, they're, they just smell of coming from the Microsoft IBM IT world. Yeah. And, if we could put more user experience uh, or more thinking into how people um, interact with their internet platform or business, social business world, then we'd make a lot more money. <laughs> right. <laughs> we'd make more money and the companies would make more money. And that actually makes me think about a subject that we haven't written on the wall here. Well, you're changing the agenda. Yeah, I'm Go changing on. the agenda, yeah. Uh, CMS. We, you and I talk a lot about yeah, CMS. That was covered. There was I noticed in the tweets that there was um, there was a SharePoint debate in one of the. Oh yeah, there was a SharePoint that, debate. But I wasn't there. And and I, I think that was in... something that was sidetracked into a SharePoint debate. Yeah. Which is usually the case with CMS because there actually was a CMS question with Christina Halverson's talk about content strategy as well, where people were asking, "Well, we can't do that because our CMS doesn't enable us to." Yeah. And just having that limitation of in your work of having a CMS that can only do parts of the stuff that you want to do. Is something that should come up more often as well. I think we, we'll we'll cover CMS in another podcast. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but um, but that that kind of ties into one of the other things that I wrote up here that um, we had 
SEO, search engine optimization, mm. didn't come up in anything I was part of. No, anyway, um, content strategy came up, of course, because yeah. Christina Harbison had a workshop and then she did the talk on day three. Um, and there, there is where we, we start to bump or cross silos. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the UX people looking into the content people's world and thinking, mm. oh, yeah, we need to think about this really early mm. on. Um, but I wrote about content strategy and SEO in a newsletter a few months ago. Um, and I didn't mention UX, I just talked about them two things because mm. there's, there's off, you need to think about the content itself when you're dealing with the SEO strategy and that needs time. So you can't get away from the fact that we're, we've got to have an umbrella view. On exactly, you need, you need people coming to your site and that is SEO. And uh, I think exactly. from the UX perspective, SEO sounds too technical yeah. uh, in the UX community, but that's it's something that really affects what we do because it's a first touch point for a lot of um, exactly. sites. So you it's the first touch point. If you do an experience map, you want somebody to actually come into your site in some way. But we can't. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm saying we. I've done this all this last week. I, you know, non-UX guy, and I come to the UX conference, and within within like half a day or whatever, I'm saying, oh, we need to do this, we need to do that, and so if I'm suddenly absorbed um, into the cult of UX. But you're a serious <laughs> UX guy now. <laughs> <laughs> Three days of bootcamp training. <laughs> no, but I think, well, my reflection on that is, is that um, these terms like SEO, content strategy, and social media we're talking mm. about, these, these are difficult for UX designers to design. Mm. They're in, well, in economics, we call it externalities. They're, they're things that are that you, you know, outside your little world that you can't touch. And then we close them off, I think, we mm. again, <laughs> um, and concentrate on the on-site yeah. UX, the experience of, of the, the things that you would be ordered to do by your client and like they're dealing with exactly. the, new, the big brand new web look. Mm. And that's something you and I were talking about a lot, that this conference was really very much based around on-site mm. uh, subjects, designing products and services that are actually something that people have to buy and have, people have to order and people have to find as well. But we're not talking about how they find it. We're just talking about how they look and feel. We're talking about basically usability mm. and the way I see it, but not so much about the complete experience from start to finish. Well, it's, it's not completely fair to say that because you know, like Nick Finch, he was talking. Mm. He talked a lot about the well. We had the Netflix example time and time again about yeah. cross-platform user experience, mm. um, but it still was it was talking about the the design of a cross-platform user experience mm. rather than the, the the full umbrella thinking right. of, of how do we merge this into the other silos, the, the marketing, exactly. the search and optimization yeah. strategy, um, business strategy. Oh, all the rest of it. Yeah, and there were some tracks about uh, data analysis as well. Yeah, uh, with regards data mining, to data mining, mm -hmm. search, uh, search. Well, not search on the domain. That's what they didn't have. <laughs> Analyzing data in Google Analytics and yeah. stuff like that. CRM. Yeah, visit, uh, visit, visit behavior. Yeah, basically. But what you're saying there about Netflix has also uh, got me sidetracked now into. There were there were a lot of American examples. Of course, there were lots of American speakers, and that's sort of what's attractive attractive with this event as well and we love listening to American speakers because uh, they can really sound better don't they with Nick you but uh, having that uh, really makes you wonder what are the main cultural differences in uh, uh, American and European well, if, well you have an American mentality but you have also have a European mentality and in Europe you have a lot of different countries and one of my best examples there was uh, this girl German girl was um, thinking about how to apply uh, some of the psychology and gamification, if you will, that's not the right word, but it's, it's human behavior, uh, that Stephen Anderson was talking about in his talk and applying that in a German context, mm. where you're not actually 
people don't want to give away personal personal information in the same way that they want to do in other countries. And that put, makes you think that a lot of the examples that we get are actually based on a mentality that we don't really share in the same sense in all countries. No, yeah, it doesn't have the same... Well, the playing field's not even level in America, but it's, exactly. it's, a, it's a different level yeah. compared to Europe. Europe um, has, a, has a lot of challenges. I mean, it came mm -hmm. up in um, the first workshop I had with, with um, Leah Belly um, about the US Practice 1. Mm -hmm. The, the, the frustration, I mentioned it myself, I stood there and talked about the frustration of being an English person working in Sweden, oh, right. coming against a language barrier a lot of the time, but then mm. when you have international projects, you get this language barrier an awful lot, mm. um, it gets even more complicated and we're looking at international solutions with search engine optimization and content strategy and user experience, they've yeah. all got their little uh, nuances. Mm. I want to move on to the, the, the last point we had yeah. down for um, what was overlooked, um, and this, this bugged me from beginning to end. Um, small business, that the feeling you get um, is that UX is for bigger corporations, mm. big organizations, um, and we're talking about how you've got a UX team, and they need to talk to the SEO team, mm. and they've got to then talk to marketing department and yeah. all these departments and teams and, and this is this is not how the world is out there. The majority of organization companies are small businesses. Right. And user experience, the interaction with products and services isn't any less important, any any kind of less relevant for them. But not once did I see anything that was talking about how we can you know break down that silo. Not, exactly. not just silos between how we solve UX mm. Or the web, but also how we how we solve the communication issue to to, to those those clients. How we actually talk about UX in that sense. Mm. We're dividing it into roles and departments, but we want to divide it perhaps into tasks, smaller tasks that one person does mm. in the end at a small company. I mean, you can I can't. I'm thinking about some of the clients, the smaller clients that I'm mm. coming into contact with and work with. If I start trying to sell UX to them, mm. uh, yeah, you've, you've you've lost them straight away. It's mm. never going to work. Exactly. We might actually have to move on to part three of this podcast, of this pilot episode. And uh, we're going to be talking more about uh, how will we include what we learned from UXLX in our work. And uh, that's titled, So What Now? You've been listening to part two of this UX podcast episode with freelance consultants James Laura Lawson and Paraxical. For more information or to subscribe to this podcast, visit uxpodcast.com. You're listening to UX Podcast, a monthly podcast from Stockholm, Sweden, with James Rowe Lawson and Perak School, moving the conversation beyond UX. Okay, so welcome to uh, part three of the pilot episode. So what now? And I'm James Rowe Lawson, and you are Perak School. So, so what now? <laughs> What's the next steps? What are we gonna, how are we going to yeah. use everything that we learned at UXLX in our work as consultants, Perak? Hmm. Uh, I know I have done a long list of stuff I'm going to use. Uh, I know that you... <laughs> we're actually going to do the around. That was the start of my thing. Yeah, you're I know. Yours. But I was actually going to actually hand it over to you. But I was oh, like, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> I just wrote it. <laughs> oh. I wanted to reroute that into... Because we were talking a lot about in the other episodes, or the other parts of this uh, pilot episode, uh, how you are not a UX person and, and your experience yeah. of the whole conference and coming into that community and that world of... Actually, just talking about it from a usability perspective. 
Exactly. You said, you said, not a UX person, that's what I say, but as you've pointed out this last week, then I am a UX person, I just don't yes. label myself mm. as well. And, and I went into the conference with that, with that open question mm. to myself, do I need to start labeling James Roy Lawson as UX consultant or whatever that is, mm. or, or is it okay with saying you know, web manager or web strategist mm. like I've been doing? And um, I've basically come to the conclusion that you know, I, I, feel, I feel secure in calling myself a web manager and I don't need to use the UX label because mm. we've, what we found is that we've, we've won the buzzword. We talked about buzzwords earlier with awesome. Yep. Yep. Another buzzword from the um, or drinking game, um, bingo word or whatever um, from the, the conference was silos. I think there wasn't, there wasn't a single workshop or talk mm. that didn't talk about the need to break down the silos. Yeah. And Hence the subtitle of this podcast, mind you. Yeah, well, yeah, for the whole series. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, so what, what what I saw was that there was a UX conference of loads of really really clever and you know great UX people talking about it, and they were all saying that we really need to break out of our silo. People don't understand us. Pe- people need to learn that UX is mm. the the holy truth. Mm. And how do we do this? Mm. And you know, for me, I'm saying, well, hold on. You're saying that we've got to break down all the other silos, um, but they basically don't understand that UX is yeah. the correct silo. Mm. So we're, we're building up one yeah. silo and saying break down the others. And that's exactly. not right. We've got to build an umbrella across all of these things to make sure that all these bits work together. Exactly. And so what we're saying is that UX should not be a silo. It should be something that is spread out across all the other different uh, types of work we do for our clients. Yeah. I mean, in some aspects, UX actually is a little bit more important than others. <laughs> Well, yeah, nice to hear you say that. Yeah, but that's because I've still got my UX hat on from last week. I mean, ask me in a few weeks and I'll maybe have my SEO hat on and I'll, I'll say, oh, God damn, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> but uh, what about yours, Lepay? You, well, you've got a, quite, we've got a whiteboard in front of us here with some of our notes for the podcast mm-hmm. and there's quite a long list of do more. So yeah, I have a do more column and a do less column. And... Um, well, we we start with the do less column because that's actually, actually just that, about yeah that. that ties on to you. We're gonna stop talking so much about UX uh, based on the fact that that is one silo only, and we need to talk about experience probably in, in a broader sense. Uh, but moving on, <laughs> um, well, what what we mentioned in the part one was that we really loved the workshop with uh, Russ Unger uh, and. That was the guerrilla research. Guerrilla right? research methods. Yeah. And basically, it's it's one of these things where you actually have to realize that you have to do sometimes stop designing, stop thinking so much, and just go out and learn from the people you're designing for. Uh, and you can do that in a really simple way, but just going out there and talking to them. And tying on to that uh, is remote testing, uh, which a lot of people actually talked about. And, uh, yeah, there's we, a lot of links and tips yeah. to tools and things mm. um, for remote testing. And I think remote testing is interesting in the sense that you, it's easier to actually contact people and have them. You don't have to get them to a specific place to do, to do testing. But also, you've got them in their home. You've got them in the, their normal place of, well, based on the fact that uh, you probably hope that they're using this, the, the, whatever you're testing in, in their homes. If that's the case, then you've got them in their context, in, in their homes, uh, and you, they'll probably perform in a more, well, natural normal, way. natural way, exactly. Well, the, the, the thing we've got to be, well, I think you've got to be a little bit careful with all this um, guerrilla research or mm. quick research methods. You've got to understand what it is you, you, you're getting out the end of it. Yeah. Um, Russ said, and we talked about it earlier, that you, you, can't, you can't replace the, the full-blown research with these guerrilla methods. Mm. They're, they're, they're a 
way of getting you off your ass and, and, and doing something instead mm. of waiting for, you know, talking mm. so much about a decision. The example we give when we're talking pre-recording um, about um, recruiting and doing focus. Right, yeah. Focus, little mini focus mm. interviews, whatever, mm. on the telephone. That um, you have problem recruiting, problem mm. getting clients to give people to contact. Mm. Whereas, you know, you might spend five hours doing that, the cost of 5,000 run or whatever, whereas you could actually contact, you could outsource it mm. to a recruiting company and mm. get your five people and then you've got the same cost but you've took the decision quickly. Mm. So a guerrilla research method is quick decisions. Exactly. Which that was, that was a good take on. Mm, I love that. And uh, if you follow my blog, you'd realize that I use a lot of comics in my work but I went to Kevin Cheng's workshop and I will be doing a lot more comics actually. Uh, more and more for my clients as well in, in helping them see and communicate ideas and messages that we want to get across both within teams and project teams and to actually to the clients that we're designing for uh, which will be great fun I think I think and that's I actually agree with that I'm, I've now I've not come home with a few you know, a whole lot of pens in fact I think I stole a few of them from Russ mm. in his workshop mm. and ended up in my bag sorry mm. Russ um, and I, I've I now saying that I, I need to be better at remembering to sketch things. Mm. Um, you know, in all kinds of contexts. I think the facilitating thing we've got down on the list yeah. here as well. That I, I, I love the suggestion that we can. And it came up in a few workshops. Mm. Um, Leah's strategic UX one was one of them, where you could you could meet with the manager's stakeholders and get them to do six ups, mm. uh, six up six up sketches as, a, as an icebreaker mm. at the beginning to try and get the. The, the, the red routes or the, the um, top tasks mm. or, or, or key you know, things you need to do on a website out of the system exactly and on paper mm. from day one instead of fighting with it mm. until the very end and then trying to change it. Mm. Of course, it may be hard stuff to actually get managers to start drawing and sketching on paper, but I think it's really, really worth it if you, if you get to that mm. point. Uh, another favorite of mine was Stephen Anderson who has these mental notes cards based on Psychology and uh, human behavior. Did and you get all fourteen? Oh yeah, wait, yeah. That was it. Was we had a trading game actually, so we had to find all fourteen cards. Uh, we got one card, fourteen uh, versions of the of the same card. Thirteen. Thirteen actually, mm. and then we had to find. He had, the full deck is actually fifty two cards, uh, but if we, if we got them all during the conference, we got a, a uh, an extra card, which is not part of the one you can buy online. So we now have a card that you cannot find anywhere else. Uh, so if you want to buy that from me, name a price. <laughs> <laughs> I actually got my 14th card by basically jumping on Steve in the foyer of the... Oh yeah! Shop, drunk at two in the morning, he sat there reading <laughs> a chapter of his book and I said, Steve, I want my card! He kind of sits back a bit and kind of pulls his hand in his jacket and says, here! Leave <laughs> 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 me alone. <laughs> and he never did manage to upload his chapter of no, his book. No, Well I did, I did feel a little bit bad when I was oh, offered to use my 3G oh. connection, but he, he, I think he'd gone, he'd gone to bed by now. Um, you were, I interrupted you with the cards. No, that's fine. About. That's fine. That was actually one final concrete uh, recommendation and point that I, one takeaway from Stephen Anderson is I, I saw him use a lot of form uh, images in his forms. Uh, like if you have a rage button that says yes, no, you could have an image of a person looking happy with the yes and looking unhappy when you answer no, which makes the form more fun and makes it the incentive to actually answer that form is is higher based on the fact that people just uh, feel comfortable with images and find them more fun. There were lots of those aspects with forms that I'm going to use a lot in the, in the design and work I do for my clients. Sorry, Pat. Yeah. I'm just oh, off no. because we're we, finishing. We babbled for half an hour oh, yeah. already. Um, so um, that's it for the yeah. pilot episode of UX Podcast. Um, 
We've hope you've enjoyed it, and um, we'll promise we'll be better next time. And um, we will get better. <laughs> um, make sure you um, you know click on the subscribe mm. um, button or icon or whatever we've got on the website and yeah. uh, follow us. And we'll we'll post some links there as well that we mentioned in the in the in the show. Thank you. And yeah. um, see you next time. Thanks. Bye. You've been listening to part three of this UX podcast episode with freelance consultants James Warren Lawson and Per Axel. For more information or to subscribe to this podcast, visit uxpodcast.com. Thank you.